Hi, my name is Chi. I'm the senior pastor of this church. And I look, just really want to say welcome to everyone that's here. Um, we just want to, uh, as Pastor Carl said, today we're going to begin something that's um, familiar for us, uh, who's been here for a, a long time, but probably a little bit unfamiliar for us as we touch on the topic of money. Uh, now, can I get um, the, the, pal, um, the iPad as well? And I just want to control the slides. Thank you. Okay. Now, um, what I'm going to do is just... Uh, could you help me work out how to do that? Can, can someone help me work out how to use this? We're so technologically advanced that uh, I, I don't even know what the code is. I think it's Penin. Uh, thank you. Okay. Um, now, just wanted to frame a little bit um, of uh, where we're going. But as we're doing that, before we start... Has anyone got this booklet? Uh, if you haven't, could you put up your hand up high? And maybe if I can get, sorry, Connect Team, just to put you under the pump, uh, to be able to hand that out to, uh, okay, there's a lot of you. Okay, how about not? At the end, there'll be a booklet that's out there, and then you can come collect it, okay? This is going to be the, the key piece of what we're doing. But let me just frame this. Uh, this is the vision of our church. Let's say it together, ready, one, two, three. To build disciples who represents Jesus to everyone, everywhere, with everything. And what that means is that we really believe that God cares about all aspects of life. And because of that, uh, we want to see God form you through life, but also see everyday moments of life as an opportunity for you to represent Jesus. Yeah, your Every relationship, every place that you find yourself, and your everything really matters to God. And so for those who are new, just kind of want to bring everyone to the same page. We've been on a journey over quite a few weeks uh, previously in the last few months to talk about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is absolutely fundamental and critical uh, to lead our lives um, in an empowering way and to live out this vision. And so what we're going to do, especially over the next few months, is really practically working that out. I, I love this verse in Galatians where it says, Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of of your lives. Amen? Yeah? So I'm not just talking about the Sunday life, which is important, where we you know, worship God, and we encounter God, but what does it look like for the Spirit to have an impact into every part of our life? And so one of the key things that I speak a lot about, and so some of this would be you know, not new for uh, some of us here, is that during the course of a week, we have about 168 hours in a week. Yeah? And some of us uh, spend about 48 hours sleeping. I believe on this side, you guys probably spend 100 hours a week sleeping. I'm not really sure. But, um, but on average, we have about 10 hours of our life where we gather together on Sunday services or small groups or some kind of church activity. But there's these other 110 hours of our life where we spend our lives in work, thinking about money, managing money, relationships, recreation, sexuality, and health. And all those areas of our life really matter. So as a church, we really care about all of life. Amen? And so what that means is that we care about the 10 hours of our life where we gather together, but the focus that we spend on when we gather together in those 10 hours is how do we allow, see God work in your life in the other 110 hours of your life. Yeah? And so how do we see the Holy Spirit's leading, guiding you in every area of, your, of our lives? 
And so today, over the next three weeks, I'll be covering this topic around what does that look like around faith and money, okay? So um, one of the things that's important around this is that um, a, lot of ch- a lot of times, you know, people, we have a bit of a narrow theology around faith and money where it's all about giving and tithing, whatever, but that's not what we're on about. We really care about every area and every facet around the management of money. We believe the whole aspect of it is spiritual. And so what I want to be able to do is lay a foundation on what I call our financial discipleship, okay? So just as a quick exercise, why don't we all stand up to our feet? Let's all stand up to our feet. I want to do a quick survey. Let's all rise to our feet. Okay. Now, um, what I'm going to do, I want to get those to sit down. For those who have worshipped in our church when I first became a senior pastor seven years ago, yeah, so if you've worshipped in our church when I first became a senior pastor in 2017, grab a seat. Uh, our pastor here. <laughs> and, and, um, yeah, so I want everyone to take a look around. Wow, so that means everyone else here has come in the last seven years. Well, give me a warm welcome. Uh, no, no, stay where you are. Okay, now, I want the rest of us to stay standing if you have come... Sorry, let me start again. Stay standing if you have come after, during the pandemic and after. Okay, if you've come visited our church during the pandemic and after. Does that make sense? Okay. I know that was a bit of a confusing thing, but... Anyway, just take a look around, yeah? Okay, now grab a seat. Everyone grab a seat. Now, why did I do that? I've spoken about faith and money for the last seven years. And I've realized that half of us haven't heard a lot of it. And that's why we're going to do Financial Discipleship 101. To get everyone on the same page and on the same baseline around the difference that Jesus makes to the area of money. And so this has been, we've been working really hard in the back end. I just want to say thank you to Sharon, Lauren, uh, Minoy and Kyle uh, to be able to help assist me in putting this together. But this will form um, the basics of how do we build disciples, right? Who represents Jesus in the area of money. How do we build your heart? So this is my son. Yeah, isn't it cute? right. Uh, he loves soccer. That's him in his soccer uh, on the sideline. <laughs> um, but what we want to be able to build is the heart. How is God using the area of my life to disciple my heart? And then the skill, what skills do I need to learn to let God practically rule my life in this area? And in terms of mission, how do I show and share my faith in this area of my life? So we're going to do that with faith and money. And that's why over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about money in our heart. Then next week, we're going to talk about money in our skills. And then the third week, we're going to talk about money and mission. And we're going to do this over different topics over the course of the next few years around faith and work, faith and relationships, and then faith in terms of your personal uh, self. 
So next week, we're going to have uh, Brad Ryan doing some workshops where we talk about money and skills, where we talk about marriage and money, because we know sometimes uh, money issues can be a point of conflict uh, between spouses and in families. And so we want to provide you with the skills to be able to help resolve that and to be able to bring uh, to you guys together on the same page. And I want to particularly highlight um, Damien, uh, who's a, a financial planner, qualified financial planner, but he's going to be uh, on, on stage with me next week, but also we're going to have a workshop straight after uh, the sermon in this chapel auditorium. Uh, so please register for it because we know that there's costs of living, but how do we make your money work for you? So the, we thought the best thing to do was to find an Asian financial planner, <laughs> right? You're going to get the bang for your buck, okay? Uh, so, uh, so please register. Um, whether you feel you have a lot of margin or not, we, we're called to be good stewards. Whether we have little margin or a lot of margin, how do we be good stewards of it and make it work the most uh, for us and, and for the kingdom of God? Can I hear an amen? Okay. So why don't we get straight into it? Today we're going to talk about money in our heart. And then I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. So some of this may be uh, a bit familiar for some of us, but I think it's a good thing to revisit in a different season that you might be in. So this is where Jesus is in the Sermon on the Mount giving this uh, message and he begins to talk about money. And this is what it says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is the word of the Lord. Let me just pray. Lord God, I just want to thank you for your word. And God, I know it can be a sensitive topic. And Lord God, I just pray, God, that somehow you'll break all the barriers down. And that we'll be able to hear your word today as if you were preaching this message to us. Preaching your very word as you teach us and disciple us in the area of money. That we will feel your insight, feel your conviction, hear your tone, and reorientate our heart towards you. And the difference that you make in this area of our life. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said? Okay, amen. Now, I remember in 2017 when I first started talking about this, it was a bit awkward for me. It was my first time really practically talking about faith and money. And, uh, and one of the things I did was I put this picture up about addressing the elephant in the room. I don't like elephants in the room. I usually like to address them. And part of it is around the, the difficulties and challenges around, as a pastor, talking about money, money from the pulpit. There is a personal discomfort that can come because it's a very private thing. Money is a very private thing. It can reveal what you care about. And sometimes it can actually invite judgment. I mean, how many of us have done this? You know, when we see someone spend something, it's like, did you see that Gucci bag? <laughs> did you see Pastor Chi wear that country road jumper that you didn't realize that Pastor Carl gave it to me? So instead of judging me, judge him. <laughs> Threw you under the bus. <laughs> but, but it invites judgment. We've seen how it actually has torn relationships. And there's a bit of a personal discomfort around it. It can be challenging because sometimes we've experienced and seen it ourselves where it can be used for spiritual abuse. A way to kind of spiritually use the word of God to kind of whip people to give more and more and more. But really, I just want to reassure you, that is not the heart in this church. I can reassure you that none of the staff here are driven by money. 
I can reassure you that many of us could work elsewhere and earn more money. Okay? We are not driven by money. Okay? But it is a challenging thing because there has been spiritual abuse. And we're not here to try and find a way to sidestep in and strategically motivate people to have spiritual reasons to give more. That's why it's more than just about giving and tithing. It's about your whole stewardship of finances. And so we're all going through cost of living and challenges and stuff like that. That matters, yeah? Because we believe it matters to God. And how do we address that holistically? It can be real challenging because of the way it can be heard. That no matter how I skin this cat, no matter how I language this, some people will just hear it. It's like, here you go. He's just asking for more money, right? And that can be a challenging thing. If it can be challenging because, you know, like, I'm sure many of you guys are first-time guests here. It's going, you're talking about money. How is he going to talk about it? And there's that challenge going, is this going to put off some of the guests? It can open itself to criticism. And at the same time, it can be a real challenge to be able to respect people in different seasons of their finances. You know, sometimes we might be in a season of plenty, but sometimes we're in a season of need. And to really respect everyone in their unique journey, because we might find ourselves there, right? And so... But yet, in spite of these challenges, why is it so important that we still talk about money? And it's because I believe you cannot be a follower of Jesus and not talk about money. Can I hear an amen? You know, Jesus talked about more money more than he talked about heaven and hell combined. And Jesus talked about money more than anything else except perhaps the kingdom of God. 11 out of 39 parables talk about money or possessions. About 25% of Jesus' teaching in the Gospels relates to money, stewardship, and the resources that God has given us. So can you imagine if I spent a quarter of the year just talking to you about money? Amen? Who wants that? Right? That's like three months a year, me just talking about money. You'd be throwing things at me. Right? you think I'm money hungry. But yet that is the amount of importance that Jesus placed around money. In fact, why is it so important? Because you cannot be faithful to the Bible and Jesus, and not talk about money. Amen? You know, one of the things, if I was to ask you, what is one of the key reasons that stops the Word of God from being unfruitful in your life? What would you say? People don't know the Bible. They don't know how to interpret the Bible. They don't have spiritual disciplines. But have you thought that it's money? In fact, actually, Jesus says this when he talks about the parable of the sower, and it's sowing the seed, and the seed is the word of God, and the seed falls on thorns. And this is his interpretation of it. And he says this, And the one on whom seed was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries and distractions of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and it yields no fruit. Amen? Have you ever thought about that? So therefore, I as a pastor who wants to see your relationship with God and the Word of God being fruitful in your life requires me to speak to the area of financial discipleship. Can I hear an amen? And so, the way I will language that is that your relationship with money affects your relationship with God and the fruitfulness of God's Word in your life. This is not just a topical sermon. This is about addressing the relationship that you have with money so that your relationship with God can flourish and the Word of God can be fruitful in your life. Can I hear an amen? 
And so, this is where Jesus begins. And he begins to teach about money in this Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to unpack this and unpack three things. And interspersed in between that, we're going to do a bit of an interactive uh, exercise. Okay? So here Jesus says to everyone, he says, Do not lay for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay out for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And here one of the key things that I've learned over the years is that money is a discipleship tool that can really reveal your heart. Because Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And here Jesus makes this connection between money and our heart. Where and how we use our money is one of the greatest indicators of where our heart is with God. Where your money goes, your heart will follow. Where your money goes, your heart will follow. Because money is one of the greatest competitors of your heart, and that's why Jesus spends so much time talking about it. How we manage, how you manage and use your money tells you where your heart for God is. And that's why if we're serious about discipleship. We need to talk about faith and money every year. Because we deal with it, use it every single day. And you've got to understand that Jesus isn't against money, but he's against the love of money. If you read in Timothy, it says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money in itself is actually neutral, but it's the heart that we bring to it that is the issue. And if you've got a greedy heart, money will amplify that greed. But if you've got a heart of generosity, money will amplify it. Can I hear an amen? Because money is a great discipleship tool to reveal what is in your heart. You know, Martin Luther once said this, that when we're converted to Christ, we undergo three conversions. The first is the conversion of your heart. The second is the conversion of your mind. And the third is the conversion of your wallet. In fact, one of the most concrete indicators that a person is genuinely experiencing the converting work of the Holy Spirit is that their relationship towards money is changing. Now, put it this way. Let me put it in a different way. Let's take off all our titles, spiritual titles, pastor, life group leader, whatever. Put all those things aside. And God comes here and goes, let's lay out all our bank account statements. And in that, let's look at that because that will tell us where our hearts is. I might be rearranged in where the pecking order is. But have you ever thought about it now? Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It's one of the most concrete and tangible indicators that, it, that go Mark chapter 10 he says here and as he was setting out on his journey a man ran and knelt up before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. 
Do not murder, don't commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him, loved him. Don't you love that? He looked at him, and he loved him. And in that love, he gives this command. You lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Disheartened by the same, he went away sorrowful, for he had a great many possessions. Isn't that confronting? Here we see a rich young man, Rola, who had a verbal intention, coming out to Jesus and go, I sincerely want to know what, how to inherit eternal life. And Jesus just spits out all these different things of moral goodness that he could do. Do not commit adultery, do not murder. And he goes, yep, done all that. I'm morally good. And on the outside, it can look like his heart is after God. But yet then Jesus brings this money issue up to reveal where his heart actually is. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And with a heart of genuine love, Jesus brings up the issue of his money and possessions. And, and, and you know, it can be confronting. If Jesus comes to me, to be honest, and says, give up everything, how easy is it to do that? Pretty challenging, right? But the thing is, is Jesus after his money. Jesus doesn't need his money, but he's after his heart. Now, I've given this illustration before, but I'll do it again. But I do that with my kids all the time in the area of bubble tea. Right? And I shared that last time in one of my service leads. Where they love bubble tea, we go bubble tea, we buy the bubble tea and stuff like that. And the first thing I do is I always want the first sip. I want the first fruits. Right? So the first sip. Right? Uh, and so what I do is I grab it and I take a long sip. So initially they're like, yeah, sure, Dad, here you go. Then when that sip goes for like a minute, they start like, I want to grab it back. <laughs> right? But then they know me so well now. They go, I know you're kidding. I know you're kidding. Right? But because I'm not after their bubble tea, I can buy a gazillion bubble teas. Oh, Micah's here. Micah, close your ears. I can only afford one bubble tea a month. But I'm not after his bubble tea. I'm after his heart. I remember once um, uh, I was going uh, for dinner with my mom uh, and my family on Friday. We were at Glen Waverley um, Food Court and we had sushi jiro. My mom was paying and we bought some sushi and sashimi. And I didn't want to order more because I, I usually eat quite a lot. And then um, so I kind of held back a little bit. And then there was a little few pieces of sashimi left. And then I offered it to Judah. And I said, hey, Judah, here you go. You can have the last piece. And he goes, no, 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 Dad, you can have it. And then we had that, you know, Asian battle. You have it. You have it. You have it. You have it. Anyway, then later he turned around and said to me, Dad, you haven't eaten much. You should have it. And I'm like, Dad, I'm, oh. I'm like, you can have all the sashimis in the world. Because I have his heart. And because I have his heart, I know he'll manage it well. And here Jesus is not trying to take all his possessions. Jesus in his love 
knew that his heart remained with his possessions and was not free to follow him. And here this was the only way. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will follow. Because what this man needed saving from wasn't just his possessions, wasn't possess- what he needed saving from was the things in his heart. Because if you're not aware about what is ruling in your heart, your heart will manage you. You know, the Royal Commission inquest into the bank's financial planning system. You know, quite a while ago, we've heard about, you know, the evidence of appalling behavior of some of Australia's major banks and financial planners for the past decade, including alleged bribery, forged documents, repeated failure to verify customers' living expenses before lending them, mis-selling insurances to people who cannot afford it. Now, those aren't financial planning issues. They're heart management issues, amen? It's greed. It's coveting. Think about your issues with family. You know, there's always mess around family and, and finances, right? And it's like the, 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 the dispersion of inheritance and all that. But sometimes the, the issue is simple, but it's complicated because of the heart. When there's mistrust, there's unrealistic and unhealthy expectations. There's people greed and, and placing the importance of money over the importance of relationships. It's all those things that make it complicated. And Jesus knows that about our hearts. And He wants to save us from our hearts. Can I hear Amen? And that's why He's saying here to the rich young man in His love, He says, go and sell everything you have. But unfortunately, his treasure didn't follow Jesus, but his treasure stayed with his possessions and so did his heart. And my question to you and I is, what is in your heart? What does it reveal about you and your heart? For the Lord. Is this okay? It's confronting, but it's healthy. And here Jesus continues. And here he continues on uh, a little bit further down. We're in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can't do both. And he says, Therefore I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, not about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And here, Jesus begins to talk about the place that money can sometimes compete for the affections of your heart. Here, he says you cannot serve God and money. Your heart cannot be divided. You'll either have money as your master, or you'll either have God as your master. You see, Jesus understands the power of money. Because when you have money, it can give you the things that you yearn for. It can give you the things that you desire for. You know, in the word, the Greek word, the word money there is mammon. It comes from this root word that means something we put our trust in. And like a charismatic lover, money can have the power to win the affections of our heart. To pull us to, in, to cause us to lean on money for our security. Lean on money for our sense of significance. Lean on money on our sense of worth and confidence and control. 
Money can compete for our heart. And that's why Jesus talks so much about it. It's one of the greatest competitors for our heart. And where our treasure, what we treasure, rules our heart. And it leads our hearts, it leads our thoughts, it leads our worries, it leads our perspective. Wherever we send our money, our attention will follow it. And that's why Jesus talks about not being anxious. The things that dominates our minds straight after that. Because wherever our treasure is, there our thoughts, our affections, our worries will follow. You know, here one of the things that Jesus does is so black and white. You know, this is where, you know, sometimes Jesus walks this, you know, tight rope in a gray area, but sometimes it's super black and white, and this is one of those moments. He basically is saying, look, I'm only going to give you two categories. There is no in-between. There's no half measures. You can't live in between. Your heart cannot be divided. Your heart cannot be in two places. You either love God or love money. Yeah? Either money is your master or God is your master. There is no in-between. Which means everyone in this room will either fall in the category of money being our master or God is our master. There is no in-between. Isn't that scary? Isn't that confronting? And here he's saying you cannot serve both because what God the master wants and what money the master wants are two complete opposite things. When it comes to giving, God the master says, give to the poor because you will always have enough. But money the master says, hold it tight because you don't have enough. Wait until you have more. When it comes to resources, and we only have one set of resources of our time, money, and our life. And it can only be spent one way or another. But yet God the master says, serve me now with your life and I will provide everything that you need. But yet money the master says, wait until you have more than enough then serve God with your time, money, and life. When it comes to dishonesty, God the Master says, be honest and upright, even though it will cost you. But yet, Master the money says, get money. Get it any way you can. Cheat even if you need to, especially if it doesn't hurt anyone and no one knows. And here, Jesus is making it super clear, black and white. Either God is your master or money is your master. There is no in-between. And I, really, I believe the reason why he does that is because none of us wakes up. Actually, I think none of us really wake up every day and go, ooh, I want to make money my God. Just like you don't wake up and go, ooh, I'm going to commit a fear. It's deceptive. It's bit by bit, by bit, by bit. And before you know it, you move from the God camp into the money camp. And then you see your, your, your priorities start being misaligned. Where we begin to neglect our time of prayer and our study of the word and lose our preoccupation with the burden of God and the things of God. Where we start to see the worry and anxiety come plague our mind and dominate our thoughts. Where the pursuit of wealth can lead to constant worry and anxiety about our financial security and distracting us from being generous, or distracting us from trusting God and relying on His provision. You know, there's this guy, he was a, um, a Dr. Ed Welch, is a theologian and psychologist, says this, fear and worry reveal us. They reveal the things that we love and value. In turn, the things that we love and value are the things that we worship. 
And that's why here Jesus begins to talk about God and money. And he talks about the things that make, dominate our minds and our worries. And here Dr. Welch says that worry is not just an emotion that erodes our quality of life or a pain to be alleviated. It's a misdirected love that should be confessed. When you have money and fear rather than money and trust, it can lead to excessive worry. And we've got to dig deep underneath that to find out, is that something that we need to confess before the Lord? Is this okay? So one of the things that I want to be able to do, so my question is, what are some of your worries? Who is your master? Is it God, your master? Or is it money, your master? What are you worried about? What are you preoccupied with? Because if we're not careful, we will slowly be deceived from the God camp into the money camp. And it's going to bleed into your priorities, your worries, your time management, your generosity, the way you deal with ethically, the things you hold on materialistically. It will begin to hit your contentment. that You seem to never be content. It's like it's never enough. We've got to do that hard check. Can I hear an amen? So we're going to do a bit of an interactive exercise. I did this a while ago, six, seven years ago. I thought it would be nice to do it again. So, uh, Paul, if you can do the switch. Now, this is a time where I want everyone to hold up your phones. Everyone get phones. Individual people, hold up your phones. We're going to do a survey, and let me reassure you, this is completely anonymous, okay? Okay, so do the QR code there. Just take um, a, a, a screenshot there. But what we're going to do is we're going to do an anonymous survey, but see, uh, to gain an insight into the way we think about money, the way we feel about money in this room. Is this okay? To see where we are collectively as a church. Okay? Give you uh, 30 more seconds to, it's important to get that QR code. Okay? Okay, 10 more seconds. So this is a live survey. So it's anonymous. As you put it in, you'll start seeing the numbers change. Okay? So let's get going. Okay, so let's go to the first question. Okay, so let's do this together. Uh, great. So what is your age? Okay, so you can see that moving as you guys are entering it in. Yeah? So this is the spread of the people in the room. There's no one that's over 84 years old? Okay, great. Under 13, that must be Micah. Is that you? <laughs> He's got his own phone. No, he doesn't. You don't get your own phone until you're 30 years old, Micah. Um, okay, cool. So you can see the number at the bottom right. It's a bit vague. It's about 270-something in this room of responding online, okay? So that's the, ge uh, the demographic spread um, in this room. Okay, cool. Next slide. How do I feel about my financial situation? Now, this is a very subjective thing, isn't it? Sometimes uh, being stable might mean $200,000 a year. For others, $60,000 is enough. 
right? It's a very subjective thing, circumstantial thing. But what I think is important as a community of faith, remember in the book of Acts, it says there was no one in need among us. I'm trying to draw out if there are people among our midst who are in need. How can we give God the key to our heart that will enable Him to re-spread the resources in our midst? Amen? Yeah? And so it does matter. This is not just about giving, like giving whatever to the church. That aspect of it matters. It's important. But it's bigger than that, yeah? And so if there are people who are just surviving, that, that's important, yeah, for us to be able to hear. Or even those who are in surplus, we don't look down on it. It's like, how do you steward that, multiply it, to increase the capacity for the things of God and the kingdom of God? Okay. So that will make it what? Uh, my math is really bad. 60, 70, 70, about 25, 30% of the group of people that's struggling and surviving in this room right now. Okay, next. Indicate the, year, the range of your uh, um, yearly income. Okay? So why I did that next to the other one is that to show a bit of a contrast, right? If all of us are like earning over 250 and we go, we don't have enough, then we have a serious problem. Yeah? But, you know, we're not there. But, uh, but it's, it's like, if you earn less than $15,000, that's hard yakka. I mean, there's different contexts, right? If you're a uni student, whatever. There's a lot of things to think about, but it's just a bit of an indicator. Okay. Let's keep going. What do I find it easy to spend on? Okay. Now you can be honest, yeah? If it's not the bottom two, it's okay. I'm not going to judge you. Yeah? But it's interesting insight. So the, the, the number in the middle, that gives the average. And then you see the, the shadow in the back. That's where everyone plots in terms of where they put the, the number and then they do the average. Okay? So food and entertainment and hobbies is the easiest to spend on. Interesting. You know, Tim Keller actually says this. He goes, what you find easy to spend and save on reflects where your temple is. Yeah, ooh, it's a bit like, whoa. I didn't say it, Tim Keller did. Right? Go ooh on him, okay? Right? You know, remember the, 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 the situation where there was a woman with two copper coins? And there was a whole bunch of rich people that was just going boom into the treasury. So in the temple in those days, in every temple, they would have a treasury, like a box where you bring your money to support the worship system. And so here Jesus was in the temple and he was watching all these people put money into the treasury. And he gives this example and he says, hey, you know, when, when you see these people, they put a lot of money and it's like they look like they're worshiping God. But then there's this, you know, humble woman who just gave all that she had. Now, it's not just about just the amount or the totality of what he, she gave. One of the insights that Tim Keller talked about is that she found it easy to be able to give it. And he draws out the application, what you find easy to spend and save on really reflects where your treasury is, even though you might be in the temple. Right? And so, food, entertainment, and hobbies... Technological cars, clothes, mortgage. That's interesting. Yeah? But it's great to see that Christian causes and church mission and ministry or you know, whatever categories you want to put in that is still reasonably high. Okay, next one. What is your biggest concern about money? I decided to kind of preface it here so we can see a bit of a range. But maintaining my lifestyle, that is the highest. Wow. That's interesting. Now, I remember Tony Campolo once said, 
that he made a decision in his mind to set what his lifestyle would be based on the average in the community that he was living in. So if he earned more, he wouldn't live, live above that lifestyle. I really like that philosophy. Now, it doesn't have to be like law, but because you know we can get lifestyle creep, can't we? Yeah? And it goes up, and it goes up, and it goes up. Then all of a sudden, we're feeling stressed that we don't have enough to maintain a lifestyle that is more than we really need. Right? And I'm not saying that God doesn't want us to enjoy. I'll talk about all that next week and stuff like that, the whole other areas of money management. But for us to consider that, not having enough for retirement, spending more than I'm earning. Now, that's important. I put that there because sometimes we just assume that we, we're, we're able to manage that. But we've got to be able to help one another. What can we do as a church to be able to assist, to be able to turn that around? that I actually save more than I spend. Amen? I do that with the church budget all the time. I go, we've got to make sure that we're not spending more than we're earning. Right? To be good stewards, yeah? Saving for a house, paying for a mortgage, number eight, uh, uncontrollable debt, that is a big deal, that one. Right? Now, I don't know how to fix it. I don't know, you know, the situation, but I wonder whether there's more that we can do with our collective sense of finances. I wonder. Look at the amount of things we could do together if we start dreaming. Can I hear an amen? Yeah? And then struggling to meet with basic necessity. That's really important. That's why we have to sow a seed fund. And I want to reiterate that again. So a few years ago, you know, the vision was that there will be no one in need, just as you see in Acts. So we said, what if every single one of us just gave an extra $2 a week? All of us, just an extra $2. In this room, we get what? $700 a week. In a church, $1,000 a week. Without batting an eyelash, guys. And in one year, you'd have $52,000 that you can help those in need. That's what the Sow a Seed Fund was for. And I want to champion that again to say, hey guys, just put it as a direct debit, $2. That's all it is. You wouldn't even blink. You wouldn't even miss it for some of us, right? But collectively, that's $50,000 a year that we could do to help someone in need. Right? So, next one. So, just some of the comments. Having not enough. I want to pay college fees, stewarding it well. Not having enough to live comfortably. Being able to support my parents when they get older. That's a big one. Keep going. Okay. There are others there, but we won't go into that. Um, now, don't worry about it, Paul. Okay. Now, I just thought it would be interesting to hear, is our financial situation worse since the pandemic? 45 of us says, yes, it's worse. 85, it's the same. Others, it's better. When one part of the body suffers, the other should suffer as well, right? So hopefully we can learn how to do this in more creative ways. But good insight. Okay, next one. How long have you been a Christian? Okay. So we did this survey in the Chinese campus because Pastor Phoebe wanted to see whether there's a correlation with years of being a Christian and, and the, the attitude of generosity and giving. Was there a correlation there? Right? Not necessarily. That's why we talk about faith and money. <laughs> yeah? Okay. Great. Next one. So do you serve in the church? Okay. It would be great to see the whole body mobilized. Amen. Okay, next one. My giving practice. Yeah? 
So again, you'd assume if someone's been a matured Christian for 20 years based on length of time, you'd expect the regular giving to be a practice, a discipline, right? But anyway, it's interesting. Okay, uh, I think that's it, right? Is that it, Paul? Next one? Yeah, cool. Now, how many of you guys found that helpful? Yeah? It's helpful to know where we are, and I'm glad we're doing some of the workshops next week. Right? And for those who are struggling to make basic necessities meet, at least we can do that. Right? And we can be able to do some things to help. Okay, I'm going to finish with this. If I can get um, the worship team to come up, that'd be great. Okay, and it's what it says, and Jesus continues, and he says, If God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all that you need. I want everyone to read this verse with me together. Ready? One, two, three. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Can we say it again? Ready? One, two, three. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Now, I don't think we're believing it as we're saying it. Say it again. Ready? One, two, three. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. This is kingdom economics. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. Now, I'm not saying when I say this, don't interpret it this way, as if it's about giving all your money. Some people do that and just poor stewards with their money. But I'm talking at a heart level. Who is your master? Sincerely, where is our heart? Is God ruling our heart in the area of finances? Are we adopted the world's understanding and principles around money and have neglected the way our Father in Heaven who designed the way economics is meant to work? to speak into our life in the area of finances. And here he says, seek first. Three things I want to highlight. Number one, here, this is what Jesus is saying. This is how you use your money. Just as it is a great tool to reveal what is in your heart, it is an incredible tool to redirect your affections towards God. Can I hear an amen? If you put your treasure in something, your heart will go there. So if it's in the wrong place, redirect it into the right place. And your attention and your heart will follow. If you put $50,000 into a non-for-profit, you're going to care. Because your heart will follow where your treasure is. And here are three things I just want to leave you with about how we can use money to redirect our affections towards God or things to consider. Because it's an easy thing to say it's not an easy thing to live. And I felt during worship, the Lord wanted to reassure us. Number one, God cares. If He cares for the birds, He will certainly care for you. I believe there's something really powerful in the practical aspects. That when Jesus says, look at the birds, 
When you're in that moment of stress, look at the birds. Look at the birds. Look at the lilies. And have this verse and speak it into your soul over and over again. Until the, and let the Holy Spirit use the Word of God to bring conviction and assurance and faith. Because I felt this. Some of us don't need knowledge. We need faith. The reassurance that God cares. That's the issue. If you know really, 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 really believe that God cares. If my son really, really believes that his father will give him all the bubble tea in the world, he will not have a problem with letting me have a long sip. And I had that burden during worship. Gee, give them faith. You don't need money management. Some of us here need faith. That God cares. And that God will provide everything that you need. Number two. It says these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Let gratitude and faith and contentment dominate your heart. Can I hear an amen? Let gratitude, contentment and faith dominate your thoughts and your heart that it begins to drown out the voices of worry over your life. Yes, there's management stuff that we need to do and we'll talk about some aspects of that next week. But how do we foster a grateful and contented heart? Because it's almost like ingratitude and discontentment is like a closed fist over our money. But when we can do this, all of a sudden, God can take it. And we don't have to worry. And God can put it back into our hands. And some of our worry is an excessive worry because we're trying to control rather than release and surrender to the Lord. Third thing is this. It says, seek first His kingdom. And all these things will be given to you. I believe we need a healthy rule of life. A practice. Just like, you know, we have birthdays every year so that we don't neglect the people we love. In the same way, it is important to have a structured practice in the area of giving, right? So that you can actually go, hey, to foster this and you don't forget. I caught up with um, Marcus and Susanna Kosh. How many of us remember Susanna Kosh, the Embrace Women? Yeah, we had dinner with them at our house yesterday. And Susanna shared a beautiful story about how she came to faith. She wasn't a Christian. Uh, she, she was in a nightclub. And then God had converted one of the uh, bar people. Uh, and then that bar member uh, who made the drinks and stuff like that had a, clearly I don't go to nightclubs. I don't even know what word to use. Um, but converted him and gave him a vision to speak to her and to tell her about Jesus. So she did and she had never met someone that was so passionate about Jesus. So he invited her to a Reinhardt Bonnke crusade. And in that, she came to faith and gave her life to Jesus. And now they plant a church in Brighton, right? Church of Christ. But one of the things she said, which really struck me because I was preparing for this sermon. She said, I remember, I was so excited, so hungry. I wanted a Bible. I don't have a Bible. And all I had was $100 left in my bank account. And so I went to a Christian bookstore and I wanted to buy a Bible. And I realized I could buy 10 but when I heard that, it was like, this is what happens when God grabs the affection of our heart. We don't even think about it. Her last hundred dollars all belonged to the Lord in whatever way He wanted to deal with it. To make that sacrifice to buy a Bible with only a hundred dollars left 
was not even a consideration or a hesitation. Can I hear an amen? It was such a beautiful story. Seek first his kingdom. And I really believe this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. I want us to respond in two ways. Number one, I saw this vision of a key. And I felt like God was saying he wants you and I to give him the key to the door of our finances. We've been holding back. We've been giving a little. We're saying, you know, you don't touch this, you can touch this. But God is saying, give me the key into that door and let me disciple you in that area and watch what I will do. The second thing that I had a sense for some of us here, we are so managed in our finances that we have not gone on the journey of faith. We have gone, we manage it so well. But where is the journey of faith? In the area of our finances. Where God wants us not to be a dam, but a river where it just comes and it goes and it brings it another. There was a church member in, in our church who said to me, he gave $1,000 to a missionary. And within two weeks, and I'm not saying this happens all the time, within two weeks, one of his friends out of nowhere gave him $10,000. And he decided, was, he was amazed, being a river. You give 1000 that was a lot for him. And then 10000 came his way. And then he made that decision, I'm going to give that 10000 to whatever mission God calls us. All of it belongs to him. And then, you know, there's um, uh, Regen, the Baptist church, that planted a um, Mandarin speaking. They decided to give to support that planter to see the kingdom of God plant another church in Clayton. Isn't that amazing? That is a river. And I really believe that God's saying, move from just strict management into a journey of faith to seek first His kingdom and watch. Everything will be given to what you need. Can I hear an amen? So why don't we rise to our feet and I'm going to invite the prayer team to come up. We just um, want to be able to have some prayer ministry for you. Whatever, whatever things that you, know, you want prayer for, even a ministry, a response as I'm sharing this and God is prompting different things in your heart, we want to give you a space to be able to respond and for us to pray over you, uh, especially those two areas. Okay, especially those two areas. One, God, I want to give you the key. And number two, I want to begin the journey of faith. And then lastly, I had three words of knowledge uh, from Clem. Uh, anyone with healing from abdom abdominal pain and cramps, healing for tight-sided jaw and tooth pain, and someone who's lost a large amount of finances and really feeling it, uh, we would really love to pray for you and God wants to move in that. So let me just pray and then I'll hand it over to Will. and. Um, Let's pray. Let's stretch our hands. Lord God, we just want to thank you, God. We thank you that you own everything in this world and they all belong to you. God, as convicting as this is, and it is also for me, God, but yet your truth sets us free. And God, I just really believe that sometimes some of us are having the issues that we're having, not because of just management issues, but because we've allowed other things to rule our heart. But God, just like you did with that rich young ruler, God, in your love, you told us, give us the key. And in so doing, you're going to reorder our financial world so that we can live it the way you designed it. 
that we can flourish in it, we can have rest in it, but we can be a river through it to help those in need, to love our neighbor, and to see your kingdom grow. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen.